Welcome to the Women Want Strong Men podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stuttle. I believe it takes a strong man to appreciate a strong woman, and I'm here to bring a unique perspective to empower both sexes. I love talking with health experts, thought leaders, influencers, and people who have insightful information to share with us about our health, our society, and our pursuit for success and prosperity. So welcome to the podcast. I have returning guest, Miss Susan Bratton. Thanks for being on the show, Susan. Well, I'm with the most beautiful woman in male enhancement, Mrs. Amy <laughs> Stuttle. <laughs> I will take that compliment. Thank you so you, much. As you should. <laughs> so Susan is a returning guest. She was on episode 28, and the listeners loved her so much. I knew I was going to have to have her back, but then the listener feedback was like, oh my gosh, I loved Susan. And you know what? Like The number one question that I got was, what does she look like? What does she look like? Oh. I can't tell you how many people ask me what she looked like. They're like, damn, do we have a hot woman here talking about sex? They like couldn't get enough of it. So my goal for 2023 was to put the podcast on YouTube. But with you coming up today, I was like, you know what? I'm going to expedite that goal and we are going to film for YouTube today. So this is going to be my first episode on YouTube. Oh, that's so exciting. You know, I've been on YouTube for years, constantly waiting for them to shut my channel down. YouTube is a great place. And I'm so happy to be your first. And we're going to pop your YouTube cherry, Amy. <laughs> okay, so uh, listeners are going to be very jealous because I was in Vegas for the anti-aging conference and Susan was there. So I finally got to meet her in person. And Susan comes up to us and she's like, do you ladies want to go to the strip club with me on Friday night? And we're like, of course we do. Like, who else better to ask you to go to a strip club than Susan Bratton, right? So she has a friend that's a pole dancer. Of course you do, right? And we went and saw that show, and it was great. I, I liked it. I think my favorite performance was on the aerial silks. And my favorite outfit was when they did the dance to the pony and the girl with the leather chaps. What about you? The chaps. She was the best dancer, too. The girl with the leather chaps was my favorite. Yeah, yeah you liked her? Yeah, I did. Well, Jennifer Romas, she had the sexy show at the Westgate for years and years and years. And I loved to go to it because I like a topless dance review. And one of the things I also liked about her show was that she always chose women who were natural-breasted. And I really feel like it's important for those of us who haven't had breast augmentation to make sure that we also show what natural breasts look like. Because, I mean, you talk to most guys and they're like, I just like all boobs. Boobs are great. The more, the better. I want, I like, I am, you know, I'm an equal opportunity boob squeezer. And that's (laughs) fantastic. At 61, I just launched my OnlyFans fan site and I am doing topless photo shoots. And it's funny because I think I was about maybe 47, 48 years old, and I'd never really thought that I had beautiful breasts. And then I went to Burning Man, and my girlfriend insisted that I ride in this bicycle ride called Critical Tits. And she's like, girl, you're going. And I was like, all right, when Cassandra tells me to go, I got to do it. And you take off your top and you ride topless through the desert with 5,000 other women and you get to your destination and everyone's there to fetch you. And I looked at those 10,000 other boobs and I thought, oh my God, I actually have really good boobs. Like I just, (laughs) until you can see other people, you don't realize how beautiful everyone is. And that made me want to move from just having, you know, I want to be a sexy sexpert. And I want to stand for older women having a super vital, very powerful, I'm having the best sex of my life at 61. And I feel good about myself. I feel beautiful. I'm taking great care of myself. And I am literally doing topless boudoir on OnlyFans. And you can get to it because everybody's gonna be like, what's the link? It's (laughs) extrasusan.com. If you want a little extrasusan.com, you can find them there. Because, hey, I'm a 36 double D, all original material, (laughs) original body. (laughs) 
And that's what it looks like when you're 61 and it's still pretty. So I didn't realize that. I'm never not going to be pretty. I'm going to be pretty for the rest of my life because it's important to me and I care about it. And every woman at every age can be so beautiful and in all our myriad of forms. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't realize that. I Well, I noticed that they were all natural breasts and I was surprised. I was like, wow, I'm kind of surprised by that. I didn't know that that's what she sought out. So that's interesting that you say that. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're going to do like a Dear Abby style. So we had patients and Instagram followers write in their questions and then we kind of narrowed them down to try to fit it into this time slot here and... I'm just going to fire away, okay? Well, I wanted to say that my title is Trusted Hot Sex Advisor to Millions. When I work with my PR company, they tell me my title should be Intimacy Expert to Millions because intimacy is so much easier for people to hear. But we're going to be talking about sex today. And the title that I really love about myself is Trusted Hot Sex Advisor to Millions. And it goes with that whole theme of, am I talking about hot sex or am I hot? How could I talk about sex if I wasn't hot myself, if I didn't believe I was sexy, if I didn't live into my sexiness? And I think a big part of what I try to do with everything is empower people to feel and project their sexiness into the world because sexiness is attractive. Right. We want it. We seek it. We crave it. And there's nothing that's more of a downer than being with a partner who doesn't think they're sexy. Right. And sexy comes from within and your own confidence and your own sexual confidence comes from learning about sex and having the knowledge and the experience. So answering questions to help people learn how to have hot sex is the path to feeling sexually self-expressed. And I just want to confirm that she is exactly in person as she is on the podcast. That you talk the same way, your mannerisms are the same. So you're the exact same person because people ask that too. Like, is that how she is in real life? Yes, this is how Susan is in real life. So I love it. Okay, so the first question is, is there such a thing as too much sex? My husband of 20 years would have sex every single day if he could. We have sex four to five times a week, and he still isn't fully satisfied. If he goes more than two days without sex, his mood changes towards me, and he's crabby, and he's very open about why he's crabby. I enjoy the sex we have, but life is busy with kids and work, and I'm not sure what else to do to please him. What do you suggest to do to satisfy his needs? There's two pieces in that question. And one is that I feel like she's feeling like it's too much for her and that she can never satisfy him. Yes. And she's working hard. Yeah. To satisfy him. I would say that generally, at most, if you're healthy, you have erect nighttime erections, you wake up with morning wood, you've got high testosterone, and you are horny. I can't tell you, Amy, how many men write to me and say, I'm so horny all the time. How do I make it stop? It's as many women write to me and say, I have no libido. How do I get a libido? And so we really do end up many times on the opposite ends of these, you know, libido spectrums. I would say there's a couple of things. Number one, I think she needs way more reassurance that she is satisfying him, that he does appreciate how attentive she is to his desire, that he really needs to let her know that he's the luckiest guy in the world for her having sex four or five times a week with her, (laughs) and that he better be like down on his knees, worshiping and adoring her for how much energy and attention she's giving to his desire. The second thing that I would say is that she's very lucky that he desires her that much. Because for most women, I don't think they feel that their man always wants them so much. And so I think that that's also a beautiful part of the possibility of their relationship. The other thing is that I want to make sure that she is having incredible sex with him, that she's marshalling and channeling all this energy he has toward their sexuality and their sex life into things that are awakening and expanding her. 
And that it's not just that she's basically a receptacle for his ejaculate and he needs to get off inside her multiple times a week because that over time is just going to make, she's going to get to the point, no matter how much of a people pleaser she is, that she's going to be like, oh, dude, you again, right? So he has to prevent that. He's okay right now because she still wants to satisfy him. I would make sure that he's spending his time thinking about how to massively satisfy her. And here's a couple of recommendations that I would make. The very first one would be to consider having an expanded orgasm practice, which is basically a clitoral stroking technique that allows him to take her into states of orgasmic pleasure that are stacking and expanding her moment of climax in a way where she keeps coming longer and harder and longer and harder over the entire duration of that expanded orgasm stroking date. You can find more out about Expanded Orgasm at expandherorgasmtonight.com. There's some free reports. How to touch her for rapture, which is also a very important thing that men need to learn about how to touch a woman's body that they don't, that doesn't come naturally to men the way they're wired. And I talk about another thing, which is what is expanded orgasm and how is that different from multiple orgasms and things like that? And then the third free report on that page is something called the power of peaking. And this is really one of those things that separates the pretty good lover from the extraordinary lover is when a man understands how to play with a woman's nervous system to give her the breaks that she needs during the climb on the arousal ladder. The arousal ladder doesn't go straight up. It's not a linear, it's not a line. It's a stair step. And she can get more turned on and have more intense orgasms stair stepping her with this notion of providing peaks, which are moments of rest in the arousal ladder. And that's very interesting. So those are free reports you get about learning about the expanded orgasm practice. So That's one thing. The second thing that I would recommend that he focuses on is awakening her G-spot and giving her G-spot orgasms manually and with toys when he's really good manually. You don't start with toys, Uh, G-spot wands and things. I've got some here I can show you as well. I thought I got them out. Yeah, let me show you what a G-spot wand looks like since we're on YouTube and we can show things. I've got one in here. I'm going to get flagged my very first episode. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) This is a glass wand and it has a pointy tip, which is very good for G-spot stimulation. But don't do this until you get good at actually using your fingers so you understand where everything is and how it feels and what kind of touch she likes and where the spots are. You can learn more at Female Liquid Orgasm and I have a toy guide at gspotjoy.com. So that's important and that's free. So I would do, I would do that piece of it. And then I would also make sure that one of the things that he's doing is spending a lot of time on foreplay for her. And most of that would be around more kissing, more breast and nipple play, and more yoni massage, vulva massage, external vulva massage before penetration, before touching the clitoral shaft and tip, and then making sure you give her enough time for a really good clitoral erection, which takes a woman about a 20 minutes and takes man about two minutes. And so she's going to be scheduling the dates with him and saying, all right, we had sex five times a week. Could we get to six? When you do these techniques, this is really going to expand her orgasmic capacity, take it from potential to manifesting it as reality, and she's going to come like crazy, and that's going to keep her loving to give him not only the sex she's giving him, but even more. Okay, that's a lot of good tips. Okay, question number two. Sometimes my boyfriend and I can be having hot sex and he all of a sudden loses his erection. It can get awkward and I'm not sure what to do at that point. What do you suggest? So that's very, very common. And it depends on, I mean, once a guy gets good erectile function, he comes to you, he gets his gains waves, he gets his nitric oxide, he's using his penis pump, he's getting a nice 
firm, hard erection, good veins, great vascularization, lots of staying power. Then if he loses his erection, it's mostly because he's it's either been taking a while and he just needs to become erect again. A guys can become erect over and over and over again. They can become erect, go soft, become erect, go soft during a lovemaking date. And that's that's no big thing. And sometimes it's physical. He just needs more stimulation. And I'm going to tell you what I would do with for that. And sometimes it's mental. And he ended up starting to think about the past or worrying about the future. And he's not staying present with you. It's hard because the guy's job is to kind of create the structure of the date and lead women through it when they're with women who aren't totally in, haven't lived into their own sexuality and they don't know how to run the bedroom game yet. I mean, there are a lot of times in lovemaking dates with my partner where I'm just calling all the shots and saying what I want to do next, what I want to do next, what I want to do next, what I want to do next. And other times when I'm just enjoying riding his ride. And so you, the more you get confident at sex, the more you can switch, go both, take turns being in charge. But for most women, they start out allowing the man to be in charge. And when he's in charge, he's got to be thinking about where we're going with everything. And that can make him a little nervous and he can check out of his presence and lose his erection. So I have three, what I call get hard or stay hard techniques that are a free report because it's very common for guys to have this performance anxiety. They get performance anxiety. So do women. Yeah. We all want to please our partners. But these techniques help him get back into his body and really connect with his partner and himself. And that's at get hardbook.com. You can download those because that's super common. And they also help with premature ejaculation. They kind of get you on the, if you are a person who isn't feeling like you can last as long as you want, or she wants you to, that will also help with that. But going back to what can she do? I think it's really important to understand how to stroke a penis in a really sexy way. One of my favorite things to do is to make out and have my lover play with my breasts and nipples, which really over the years has just turned me on more and more and more as I've gotten new neural pathways of orgasmic pleasure from my breasts. When I fell in love with my breasts at yeah. Critical Tits and was like, oh my God, I got really good tits. Shit, why aren't I playing with these more? After the bike ride. I got over myself, you know, <laughs> I started having nipple gasms. And so one of the things that I love... And one of the great things about kissing and playing with nipples is that they're connected to our clitoris in our nervous system, and they stimulate the clitoral structure to get engorged, to get our clit hard on from the inside out. So when you're making out and you're playing with her nipples and her breasts while she's stroking your penis at the same time, she's got your penis in her hand. It's super sexy and hot. She's loving the way you feel. You're feeling her. She's getting turned on. It's turning you on and it just gets you turned on again. That's one. The second thing is oral pleasure. Now, a lot of people don't understand that giving oral pleasure to a male bodied partner is in and of itself orgasmic for the giver, not just the receiver. So one of the things that I have is a book called Three Little Licks, threelittlelicks.com. And it's about the idea of what it takes to have orgasms from giving oral. So when she's going down on him, it's resuscitating his hardness and it's getting her off and turning her on even more and she can have orgasms from it. So those are two really good practices for times when there might be a lull in his firmness. I think women are quick to think like, oh, he's not attracted to me or that it's somehow their fault. And so you're in the middle of that act and then they just like kind of shut down. And it could maybe even turn into from what I've you know heard from friends talk like a, and patients, like a, a tension type situation. Yeah, it's better to bring your turn on and pleasure and connection than your blame shame game. Yeah. So people are going to want me to ask this going back to question number one. How many times a week on average, do you think people are having sex? Or what do you think is healthy? It's all over the map, hon. I mean, everybody 
you know, you, you find your way. The people who have mismatched libido, they just need more skills. They need more pleasuring skills for each other. They need more turn on. They need more arousal. They need more time and tenderness and connection. Everybody could use more of it, honestly. Everybody could use more time and more sex, right? I mean, and more money and <laughs> money. to be thinner and to have a bigger dick. <laughs> Just those things. That's it. Just those things. This is all we want. And some Christmas cookies. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, but the number, I'm not going to say a number. No way, because every couple is totally different. Some people have sex every day. Some people have sex once a month. You know, it's if it's not right in your relationship, if you don't feel satisfied by the amount, learn new skills together and you'll yeah. have more sex. That's the answer. <laughs> Agree. And I think that's a great answer. So next question is, how should a man go about trying to please a woman that has told him that she's never orgasmed before? Well, a couple of things. Number one, encourage her to masturbate a lot. And I brought with me for this show the five kinds of of vibrators that all women should have in their pleasure chest for orgasmic cross training. I'm getting them out of the bags and they get, <laughs> they get stuck in there. Orgasmic cross training because women need to develop their kind of neural pathways. The brain is the biggest sex organ in the body. And the clitoris is this small structure that goes deep inside our vulvas and wraps around our vaginas. So it has arms and legs. Let me show you a picture of it. We're on YouTube. Here's the outside of the vulva. Here's the mons, the clitoral hood, the outer labia, the inner labia. When you open the inner labia, that's called the vestibule. Here's the clitoral tip. The shaft goes up under the hood into the pubic bone. It actually gets a little erection. Inside the vestibule is where her urine comes out. This is G-spot number one right here. There's a G-spot right here around the opening to the urethra because the G-spot is actually, let me show you what it looks like. It actually looks like this. I had these made because I'm always teaching people this. <laughs> the pee comes out of here and the female ejaculate comes out of here. It's just like the penis. Hers is just an innie. And these are the skein's glands that recruit the fluid from her blood plasma to have the female ejaculation. So that presents itself on the face of the vestibule right here around here. So that feels very good to stroke. So going from the clitoris to the clitoral tip to underneath, to the underneath of the shaft, down the front of the vestibule, around this area, and then to the vaginal opening, which is an, it's a sphincter. It's called the introidal sphincter. And then inside the vagina, the G-spot's up in there too. You can get to it inside and up. And then here's where it comes to the bottom. The labia come here to make the forchette or fork. And here's the perineum and, and the anus. And all of this, if I peel it away, if I peel the skin away, here's what's underneath. This is literally the clitoral structure. And it's three big areas. It's the clitoris the urethral structure, which people call a G-spot, but it's not a spot, it's that long tube. And then here's the perineal structure, the perineal sponge underneath the vagina, between the vagina and the rectum. So the vagina is literally wrapped in erectile tissue. It's got arms, it's got legs. These legs are what are underneath the outer pubic area, right under the pubic area, the labia majora. That's what's inside there are these punching bags, these spongy bundles that you can knead and caress and get all plumped. And so the arms, they actually go back and in and up a little bit and they're in kind of the channels. And so the clitoral tip is nice. It's got the 10,000 nerve endings, but the shaft also pops and gets a hard on. The arms get hard. The legs get hard. The sponge, it swells. The perineal sponge down here swells. The vagina is literally wrapped in tissue. And so the five different types of toys. I'm going to show them all to you. I just got PRP in my thumb joint and it's very sore, but these are, and I'll show them to you one by one, the five toys. And I would recommend that you get these for her and encourage her to masturbate frequently because what she's doing is she's expanding the clitoral 
erectile tissue, bringing blood to the pelvic bowl, getting pleasure signals from five different types of stimulation that are sending pleasure signals to her brain, making it much easier for her to come from different types of stimulation so that when she's with you, she's just going to be much more orgasmically confident, able to orgasm from different types of stimulation, and you can incorporate toys into your lovemaking with her. That helps her cross what I call the gasm chasm, the orgasm gap between how easy it is for you to come when you're inside her penetrating her and how hard it could be for her. She's got to learn how to do it. Orgasms, all 20 kinds that our bodies can have are a learned skill. We can just keep learning to have more and more and more different kinds. So this is the womanizer. It's a clit sucker. It's called an air stimulator. This is really good for the tip of the clit and it kind of pops the shaft out. This is called the Lady Buy. This is from Fun Factory. There's also one called the Miss Buy, which is smaller. It's like this. It only goes like that big for women who have smaller vaginas. And it's kind of a rabbit style, but it has a G-spot vibrator and a clitoral vibrator here. And it stimulates internal vaginal tissue and external clitoral tissue here, as well as goes right up along that urethral spot on the outside. This is a very good vibrator. Then you have what's essentially called a liquor. And this one is the Volta from Fun Factory. And this is like a motorboat for your clit. And some women, this is like their total favorite. I've never seen that before. They love it. And then this is called a thruster or a pulsator. And what's nice about this one is that it, let me see if I have it charged up. I should. One of the things that I like about this is it uses magnets inside and you can be hands free and you can use this kind of a thruster internally to kind of wake up and arouse all of the internal tissue so that the vaginal penetration of intercourse is really, once he's in there, she's already so engorged and there's so much good blood flow and so much is activated that intercourse feels really good to her. So this is a nice one. This is a nice one for women re-entering the dating world who haven't had intercourse for a long time and they're nervous about it. This is one good one for, and there's bigger ones too, for women who really like cervical and, you know, that kind of thing. And then last but not least, there's your basic G-spot wand, which it can be self-administered as well as administered by a partner. And so all of these can be used with partner play as well as with just, you know, I mean, if you put this womanizer on your clitoris while he's penetrating you, or you put this vibrator on the tip of your clitoris while he's penetrating you, it'll help you start to have those orgasms from intercourse that are so important to learn how to have because our male-bodied partners, that's their number one thing they want to do. And honestly, it's the most wonderful thing of all the sex things for most heterosexual couples once they learn how to create orgasms from penetration. It's all good. And we need lots of foreplay. But it's so nice when you can just come from a penis inside you. And all that is is just practice. Practice makes perfect. So I noticed most of those vibrators have a slight curvature to them. And you know, we see a lot of patients that have peronies, which is a curvature of the penis. So do they have a slight advantage potentially with hitting that G spot? I know a lot of them are self-conscious about it. Well, it depends on where the curve is. You know, there are curves that go right out of the base, left or right or up or down. There are curves that are partway up the penis that you're trying to correct the the tunica albuginea wound. You know, there's a lot of guys that have wounding of that tunica albuginea that turns into peronies and they they go out and then they go to the side or what have you. They're just men who were born naturally, you know, curving in one way or another. And what I would recommend are two things. Number one, if the curve is something from a wound and you can fix it with PRP, gains wave, and a penis pump vacuum erection device, do it. Yep. Fix it. Take the steps. Many men are fixing their curvatures using these modalities. It's available to us now. Exosomes, stem cells, there's all kinds of things that can help with fixing that layer of the tissue where the fibers go funky and make the curvature. So if you want to do that, do that. The second thing to do is to compensate for it by taking advantage of the benefits that it 
offers. So a lot of guys, when they think about intercourse, they think about because they watch porn and they think that's what sex is. And it's not. That's not what we want. Most of that stuff's degrading to women. It it doesn't get us turned on. We don't like it. We want passionate lovemaking, not to be your porn star. Sometimes we want to be your porn star, but that's not where you start. And most men think about the vagina like an inside out penis, like it's, you know, this tube that they just need to use friction for. And when you do that, really what's happening is you're not thinking about the vagina like a pocket. It's more like a pocket that balloons. It's more like a balloon. And you want to be touching all of the different parts in there. You want to be getting the left side, the right side, the bottom of the vagina, the top where the G spot slash area urethral sponges. You want to be getting the anterior fornix, the cervical area beyond the cervix, deeply inside her. And really what you want to do is you want to think about your penis like a pool cue. You want to aim it and use that leverage of the pool cue to get it to go in these different places. You also want to think about the difference between sliding and grinding deeply in. That can be nice. It doesn't have to be hard. You also want to be thinking about tempo. So short and long strokes. I have a technique called thrust in time. It's at thrustintime.com. Yeah. And what it does is it basically gives you a counting technique. You do it inside your head and you become unconsciously competent at it as you practice it that gives her shallow and long strokes in a certain rhythm. I took this from some ancient Taoist practices and brought it up to modern for modern man. And this will help you slow down and not come too fast. And it'll help her really achieve orgasms from intercourse, even if she never has. So that's at thrustintime.com. And then there's other things like instead of you pounding into her, you can slide her on you. And I've got even more. I've got the heart-tongue technique. I've got all kinds of techniques at my website that I think are really important for men to understand that it's not just, like, that's never going to make us come. We don't want all that friction. That's not what we're looking for. That's porn. And so learning how to have intercourse, learning how to fuck. That's what you need to learn how to do. And you don't know how to do it. And you won't learn it from porn, but you will learn it from things like tantric lovemaking techniques. And that's what gets women over that, over that, you know, hump and having orgasms from intercourse. And we talked in detail about the thrust and time in the previous podcast. So if people want to listen to that, it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. A lot of feedback on that one. So since we're on the topic of G spots, that is one of the questions here. It says, I like to think it is common knowledge about there being a G spot, but I also recently heard about a C spot. Do these two spots correlate? And is there equivalent for a man for the ultimate climax? Yes, 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 and yes. So if you look at the vagina, inside the vagina, right at the entrance, pressing up is essentially, and almost pressing up and curving your fingers toward the pubic bone. That's where the G-spot likes a lot of pressure. There are channels on the side of the G-spot that like pressure. There's a little further back, there's what's called the A-spot or interior fornix. Further back is her cervix. That's what you're thinking is the C-spot, the cervical spot, the cervix itself, the bottom of the uterus. Behind that is called the, oh, what is it called? There's the A spot, the P spot, I think they call it. I mean, people have all all kinds of names, but there's a further one. Down on the floor of the vagina is what gets that perineal sponge activated. And on the sides, the nerves that come in to the vaginal area and kind of go down the legs are on the sides of the vagina. So again, thinking about It's not a tube that looks like an inside-out penis. It's a pocket that has all kinds of locations to be activated and pleasured. That's what you're really doing with your penis. So they're all wonderful, and they all awaken over time with more and more pleasure. We get better as we age at sex and having more experience. And so it's all just learning to be experimental and trying things together. So what about for a man? Is there an equivalent? 
Yes. It's called the P-spot for men, and that's the prostate. And so there's both prostate orgasms, and then there's blended orgasm. If you go inside the rectum, it's kind of where the G-spot is, but the opposite for men. You go inside the rectum and push up toward his abdomen, you'll feel a little walnut, kind of a ridgy thing. And that's the prostate, and it loves stimulation. You can wear a glove, make it a nice, tight, nitrile glove, and get some lube and explore that with your partner, or try a prostate massage. They even have ones that are remote control, so you can guide his pleasure while you're either stroking his penis with that massager inside or giving him oral pleasure or riding on him or all three and slowly turning up that massager and he'll have orgasms and orgasms and orgasms. And all men can learn to separate orgasm from ejaculation. They're separate systems in the body. And men have kind of conflated them. Okay, when I ejaculate, I have an orgasm. But that's not true at all. That's just what you do because you learn how to do that. You can learn how to have what I like to call ejaculatory choice, which is you come when you want to, you ejaculate when you want to, but you can have a lot of male multiple orgasms, as many as you want, full body just as strong, incredible, without ejaculating so that you can last as long as you want to. So you can have P-spot orgasms, blended orgasms, which are stroking the prostate while pleasuring the penis, and you can begin to get ejaculatory choice and work your way toward male multiple orgasms. If you want to learn more about that, there's a series of audios I did with one of my partners, Jim Benson, I make a program with him called Multi-Orgasmic Lover for Men that teaches men a masturbatory practice that helps them become multi-orgasmic men through their masturbation practice and then helps them have ejaculatory choice during intercourse with their partners. And if you go to freedomaudios.com, it has my conversations with Jim explaining how all that works. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> next question. How popular is polygamy? and open marriage. And how does a couple decide on that? So polygamy is a religious term primarily practiced by the LDS and Mormons, where it's a man can have multiple wives. And that's one little branch of a greater tree of people in relationship having multiple partners. Other branches on that tree are polyamory, open relationship, swingers and the lifestyle. And they are all kind of various permutations, but poly is usually where a couple has a primary relationship and they, one or both of them, have a secondary or a tertiary partner. That's a very common type of thing in poly is I've got my primary partner and my secondary partner and my partner has a secondary partner too. That's a super common construct. There's also open relationships and open relationships are more like, okay, well, we, my husband and I have a girlfriend or my husband and I have a boyfriend or my husband and I date another couple and make love with them. Or we go to sex parties and we have friends there that we have sex with when we go to parties, but we don't have sex with other people at other times. Or there's a lot of rules that can be changed over time. And as you mature sexually, you want different things over time. So if you have an open or a poly marriage over the years, sometimes it's exactly the same as it's always been. And maybe you and your partner have secondaries that you've had for 20 years together. I know people like that. A married couple who's been in relationship with the same partners for 10 or 20 or 30 years. And they are all happy. They all know each other. They spend time together. It all works. Then I have friends who are in open relationships and they evolve over time. Okay, well, we're dating this person right now and it's fantastic. Or, oh, we're in a poly quad. So there's a woman and a man who are both dating us and we're all having sex together. That kind of thing or whatever it might be, you tend to create rules and boundaries and agreements that suit where you are in your level of maturation and the solidity of your primary relationship. There are some people who are single and they want to be poly or open and date and have sex with multiple people and they're very upfront about it. And then there's swingers and the lifestyle and swingers and the lifestyle is more 
of a poly and open people tend to get romantically involved with each other's lives even more than just sex. These are all generalities. Everybody uses different words for different things. Where swingers and lifestyle, they're more recreational sex oriented. They get together and they love to have sex with each other. They do their gangbangs and their twosomes, their threesomes, their foursomes, their fivesomes. They know each other, but they don't. They're not what are called like kitchen table poly, where they're, you know, talking about their kids and they're having dinners together and things like that. They're getting together to have hot sex and that's what they want. They don't necessarily need the emotional connection that the level of emotional, they have emotional connection. They're not robots. They just enjoy sport fucking over having like long-term relationships where they have sex over and over again. They might have sex all the time with the same people at the parties, but they're not coming to their house necessarily. And so it's just a little bit of a different construct. And there could be people in poly who are really, if you looked at them, more lifestyle type of people, they just call themselves poly. There could be people in lifestyle who are probably more polyamorous, but they don't think about themselves that way. It's really just this opportunity that there are many people, some say as many as 25% of people who are in monogamous relationships really would prefer or are interested in having lovers over the time together or separately having other sexual opportunities in their life. And so it's really just about you working out what's right to protect the two of you in your primary relationship or you in your relationship with all your partners, making sure to keep people safe, feeling included. Exclusion is the death of those relationships. It has to be very honest. Everybody needs to feel safe and involved. And so many people are doing it now, especially the younger generation, that it's, you know, it's just a really exciting time in the world with dating apps like Field, F-E-E-L-D.com, or it's not .com, it's an app, Field. You can post like what you're into and what you're looking for, and couples can go on there as couples with their individual profiles linked to each other. So like, yeah, you know, we're married and we date, and you could date us both or whatever. And so it's really evolving beautifully to allow people to expand their sexuality in safe and loving and sexy ways as they go through their lives. So what kind of relationship do you and your husband have? We've had many different kinds of relationships over the years. I've been with Tim for 31 years. And I used to not talk about any of this because most of my customers have been heterosexual, monogamous, married people. But as open relating has grown and grown and grown, and as we have navigated the sometimes emotionally rough waters of these kinds of experiences, we've had many different formats. So we've pretty much done all those things except polygamy, which I'm not an LDS Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not interested in my husband having multiple wives. Like I am a matriarchal polyamorous person. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> I have to like the other people. So does my husband. If one of us isn't happy, then we can't be with the other person. Well, I almost changed that word in his question, but I didn't know how, what to change it to. I was like, Polly, I know this word isn't right for the question, but I didn't know what to change it to. No, it was totally, it's good because most people are confused about that. So it was good that we could explain it too. So um, we've had some just incredible experiences. My husband and I have grown so much together and we've had some really rough times through all of this really like triggering, painful. What do you mean by that? Like getting jealous or? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's there have been people who've tried to take my husband away from me. There have been, you know, just a lot of there have been betrayals. There have been all kinds of things. But I'm an extremely capable person. I have a good sense of what I need and what I want and what is right. I have a high level of integrity. And I also am committed to my husband's life as it being as important as my own. And I want him to have experiences. Like, I'll give you an example. We are going to a workshop on Sunday here in San Francisco, and it's called Pussy Adoration. And it's an open workshop. So I won't know a lot of the people there. And I'm going with a friend of mine and my husband is taking a friend of ours and we're going together, but we're not going to be together. We're going to have separate parallel experiences at this workshop. 
And it's going to be really fun to see how this woman leads this experience of adoration and to be with other people and they're calm and they feel comfortable because we know our way around these situations. Yeah. And it's just going to be so much fun to do together. And all it is is genital massage. That's all it is. There's no intercourse. There's no, and this is the thing for us is that one of the components of having any sex outside your primary relationship, you have to watch out for STIs and contraception. So because it's very limited that you would get STIs from just manual massage, it's a very, very safe type of a thing. It's a super fun thing that you can do. It's a really fun workshop and we get to have the experience together and take people with us who will enjoy being with us because they know we're there to guide them and they can feel safe and relaxed because we know what we're doing. Is that one of their first events, the people you're bringing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First sex workshop for both of them. Okay. Is it a couple? No. No. They've never even met each other. Oh, wow. But they're so darling. They'll love each other. Yeah. So how do you even find an event like this? Like, I don't know if this is a Midwest thing or I've been living under a rock. Like, no idea about any of these events happening in the St. Louis area. I go into a lot of this. I was recently on a podcast, which you might want to listen to. Kathy Kay has a podcast called Strictly Anonymous. Oh, yeah. I listened. (laughs) I listened. Did you listen to my orgy one? I 100% listened. I was like jaw on floor pick my jaw up, like dying. (laughs) I decided to start talking about these things because I've navigated some incredible experiences. And I want people to know that you can go through these experiences and they can be so enriching and that they're so normal for the people who want them that there's nothing to be ashamed of. Well, that was really fun because I talked about how sex workshops are a really good way as an on-ramp to things like sex parties and orgies and stuff like that. And so I really encourage people to go to sex workshops. And there are a lot of people who have them and Google is your friend. Just Google things. There's stuff going on everywhere all the time all that stuff. So you have to Google it. You might find it on Craigslist. You might know some friends who maybe would know something. And you got to get on the mailing list, the email lists of these events, and then you can see all the stuff coming through. So you mentioned on the podcast that you're not a swinger. So I'm trying to figure out the difference between a swinger and like a poly event. Like you mentioned, like going to a party and there's a whiteboard and you're signing up for who you're messing around with. I don't know if it's stroking or sleeping with. And so I'm just trying to figure out what the difference is and why you're not a swinger. I'm not a swinger because I need emotionally connected sex and I like to have lovers for a long time. Okay. And I like to get better and better at bed with them. And I like them to be with me on Christmas and I like to go on, I like to travel with them. And we, I'm more like poly family style with some fun people added in as I go. As I find someone, I'm like, oh, you'd be fun to be with. Then I get them to have STI tests and then we make love and we don't have to text and do all this kind of stuff. We're just having an experience together or maybe a couple of experiences together. And that's just lovely. And so the thing with the whiteboard was a doja where we were all, it was manual pleasuring which is super safe. You don't get STIs from giving manual pleasuring. The women were getting the pleasuring and they could sign up to be pleasured by any number of the people on the board. So that's a super safe sex practice. It's not necessarily swinger things. Swinger things are usually intercourse, oral, anal, gangbangs, DPs, you know, twosomes, threesomes, foursomes, swaps, parallel play, all kinds of stuff like that. And that that's what people would kind of often think about as an orgy. I can't go into much more detail on that show, yeah. but my particular version is... I have, if I'm lucky enough to have a lover, my husband is lucky enough to have a lover. We all love each other. It's really fun. Some, you know, they, they tend to come and go over a 30 year period, right? I've been, we've had an open relationship for more than half our marriage now. And, um, but some of them have stayed with us almost a decade. So they're deeply connected, beautiful, loving relationships. And we also have other experiences that are fun, like these dujas and these pussy adoration parties, totally STI safe, don't have to worry about anything, fun little things you can do. So, you know, it's whatever's right for you. Do you guys always go to the parties together or sometimes you go without him or he goes without you? I think we always go together. I don't, I can't even remember a party where one of us wouldn't have 
gone. We always go together. Okay. He's my best friend, my best lover in the world, my business partner, the father of my daughter, our daughter. The He's my everything. You know, he's just, I wouldn't want to not, I wouldn't want to go without him. So one of the questions in the Instagram was something about swingers and pineapples. There's like, is it true that there's an association between swinger and pineapple? Maybe that's a Midwest thing. Maybe that's a thing everywhere. Have you ever heard of that? No, because I'm not really so much in the swinger and lifestyle world. The best place I think you can find out about swingers is probably FetLife, F-E-T-L-I-F-E. And I tend to not be into the kinky, dommy, fetishy, or swingery thing. That's just not me. My stuff is more like passionate lovemaking, expanded orgasm, G-spot awakening, female ejaculation, male multiple orgasm, super hot kissing, breast play and pleasuring, you know, like oral pleasuring. Like I like to teach teach those things where it's very kind of heart connected. And a lot of the stuff that I see in the kind of fetish world is more role play, more sensation play, more costumey, that kind of thing. I'm more like into lingerie and lovemaking. That's kind of my world. So you won't often find me in those kinds of places because I'm a little bit of a fish out of water. It's not my jam. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to ask you one more question because we're coming up on our hour. And it says, as a sexpert, what is one of your favorite personal kinks? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Probably threesomes. With a man or a woman? Either. Okay. They're all good. I love them both. I like threesomes because it's really fun to have sex with one other person. But when you get the energy and the turn on and the joy and the pleasure running free and wild between three people or four to, you know, like another man and woman and you all like each other and it's super fun and hot and you can do crazy sex positions and you can laugh and have a good time and everybody gets their turn in the pleasure zone and it can just be so much fun. And so I think for a lot of people, who are the kind of people who are like, I would never want to go to a sex party. I would never want to be in the lifestyle. I would never want to go to an orgy. But I kind of think a threesome would be fun. I highly recommend it. It can just be so beautiful when you're all connected, when instead of it just being like, when you get really good at it, and I've done probably 500 of them. Oh my gosh. When you get really good, I'm 61 years old, (laughs) I mean, I've had some time in the saddle, shall we say. I think when you get really good at it, there's this moment where instead of, let's just say you're having a threesome and you're feeling your partner, number one, and you're feeling part partner number two, and partner number two is feeling you, and partner number one is feeling you, and then partner number one and number two start feeling each other. That's the next level. And then partner number two can feel you through partner number one and vice versa. You get this circuit of sensual, energetic, pleasurable connection where you're all just so into the loving, sensual sensation of lovemaking together. It's a whole nother level of joy and connectedness. And I love intimacy. I love to feel so close to my lovers. And so I love it when it's the two of us. And I love it when it's the three of us. It's so much fun. It's just, it's a higher level game of pleasure and joy and connection. Well, I really appreciate your openness because not everybody would get on and be as open as you. And I really appreciate you doing that because I think, you know, even if it's not for them, people are so intrigued to hear it and interested. Like, what's it like on the other side? Like, somebody just tell me. And that's Susan Bratton. Well, Amy, you've been so brave to have me because you knew what you were getting into <laughs> and you asked the questions. So good for you. And for I being... willingly signed up for it. <laughs> you, you did. And thank you for being so inquisitive and open and not being shamed and feeling joy and opportunity. I mean, I really think you're holding space for everyone's opportunity to have the pleasures that they want while they're here on this planet for such a short time. Yeah. And you are my number one person to actually meet in in person at Vegas. I was like, out of all my podcast guests that I haven't met yet, I have to meet Susan Bratton. She's the number one. I'm so glad you did. When I saw you walk into that nitric oxide pre-conference, I was like, yes, she's here. (laughs) She made it. (laughs) Yay. Um, So I really appreciate your time and I appreciate you being on the show again today. Really nice to see you. 
Okay, and as always, I will attach all these websites and show information in the show notes. And if you could please rate and follow the podcast, that always helps. And I appreciate everybody listening and tuning in and seeing us. (laughs) 